Welcome back to Martins and More. My name's Mari Rutsch. And I'm Spoon Phillips. And I'm Marshall Fleischer. <laughs> Marshall Fleischer is today Monday or is today Tuesday? Because I can't remember if this is Martins and More with Spoon Phillips. Is this Martin versus Martin with Marshall Fleischer? Is this really Martin versus Martin versus Martin versus Marshall? What, what is this program going to be called today? Let me know. As you get older, the confusion increases, Maury. <laughs> Would you agree, Spoon? Him being a young whippersnapper, he's got a ways yet to have to worry about that. Well, and I should have also prefaced this episode's brought to you by Cold Medicine. Two out of three <laughs> podcast hosts are under the weather with this show. So, Marshall, I hope you don't catch it. <laughs> I'll try to avoid you. <laughs> so, we want to thank our friend John Washburn for the great episode idea a couple of episodes ago. Rolling Stone put out a, a, an episode called 250 Greatest Guitar Players of All Time. They got 240-odd, some of them really wrong, and we took an episode to really basically put our, our stamp on it. And when John saw that episode, he said, hey, why don't you do one about the top female guitar players and make sure you include Marshall. So before this even gets any further along, thank you very much, Marshall, for taking time out of your schedule to be John, here. John, I have to break it to you, but Marshall's not a female guitarist. <laughs> like I said, confusion sometimes sets in as you get older. Oh, you mean include his opinions? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes, here, here for Marshall, including his opinions. Uh, I'd like to say yes. right up front that that I definitely am not basing this on greatest or best or anything like that. <clears throat> There's so many to choose from. I wasn't thinking in terms of influence. There's probably people that I would put on here if that was the case. I specifically focused on guitar playing so like there's people i might have added who are singer songwriters that are very influential to me that are you know perfectly decent professional guitarists but aren't known for their chops as it were so they're not included on my list and i also split it into genres so i have four uh, acoustic artists what i call acoustic artists four rock artists four blues artists of course there's crossover in here four jazz artists and four classical slash flamenco Oh, that's great. to include among my favorites. I took sort of a similar approach. I divided my list into categories. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how much overlap we have. Unlike Spoon, I didn't um, base my the, the, the people on my list on pure chops. Um, uh, rather, I, I, my, my uh, picks are based on how influential I feel they are in their respective fields of music. And I think that's a good choice because <clears throat> that 250 male guitarists, <clears throat> or just guitarists, there were certainly women on there, um, you could tell some of them got their rankings more on their popularity and influence than their, you know, expertise or virtuosity. I think some of them got all the accolades there from, from their basically their, their history and, and who they inspired, but I would agree with that. And to piggyback off of both your comments, I actually, I don't, I don't want to say I didn't understand the assignment because <laughs> I told you guys what the assignment was. I couldn't come up with 10, let alone 20. And what I started to do was I, I started making my list and I was tempted to go to the internet and see, well, who else has a list? Let me see if I would use most of theirs. And I deliberately stopped before doing that to see what could I bring to this conversation as a, a lifelong music fan, but I, with, without going and trying to say these people are, it's all chops, or these, these girls are all because of history and influence, it was just which guitar players who are female have really 
made an impact on me that I could put them on a list without researching. So my version of this list doesn't even have 10 and it's not necessarily based on chops or pedigree, but it's if you asked me, who do I think of when you mention female guitar player from my age, borrowing from the male artists that I listened to a lot, that's what I, what I came up with. I bet you a lot of the people that I put on this list, if I went and did some research and asked them who are their influences, I would actually get to the root of probably what's on some of this list, maybe even some of the top parts. And I won't name anybody just yet, but I think if I went to X and said, who's your biggest influence, that's probably high on the list and not on mine at all. Yeah, I, I think that's a great idea, uh, Mari, for you to actually email the contact uh, information for some of these artists and ask them for their uh, influential female artists, the artists that influenced them. That could be an entire follow-up podcast about this if you got response from some of these artists. Do you guys want to start naming, do I name one of my girls and, and see if you have them on your list or what's a good... Well, I was going to start maybe with Marshall starting and we'll, because he's the... He is the irregular uh, special guest. So may we start with him throwing out uh, one of his names. And I haven't ranked mine, but I will certainly men you know, I'll mention that when I get farther into mine. And, um, and then we can take turns from there. I like that idea. I haven't ranked mine either. I think, you know, once a, a guy gives a name, then we can see if the others of us have, uh, you know, also have that person on the list. So I'll, I'll kick it off. Yeah, can I ask you, Marshall, to actually start with when this proposition came up, what was the first name on the top of your tongue? Absolutely. Joni Mitchell. The reason I, I mentioned Joni Mitchell, oh, you both had Joni on your list? Excellent. I have Joni on my list because she's, she's not technically the greatest guitarist out there, but she's incredibly creative and inventive. She's responsible for some awesome music, very influential for me. Um, I... Uh, tried to learn I had a head start on learning um, a lot of Joni's early material because I met Joel Bernstein who was her photographer and photographer for Crosby Stills Nash and Young he was a high school classmate of mine and he uh, had a party one night back in 1970 taught me some tunings and I kind of took it from there and I had an ulterior motive for learning these songs because you know as a guy I couldn't sing them but I could play them authentically and I do that, you know, in gatherings with women to try to pick somebody up. It never worked, but um, that was that was one of <laughs> the things that inspired me. So Joni Mitchell, for sure, and that the aforesaid Joel Bernstein <laughs> compiled a multi-volume set of uh, transcriptions of her stuff. It's out of print now. I think it ran to six volumes. Uh, so many different tunings. So yeah, wow. Uh, I do remember that, that, now that you mention it. Um, back before I was getting into that, I know somebody who uh, actually had that collection. Yeah, she was, the, of course, she was the first, first name that popped into my head um, because of her creative use of alternate tunings and just her creativeness, her uniqueness. Going back to when she was a teenager, how her songs were not like anybody else's. So here's a good example of somebody who... I put on here as much as her uh, work as a composer and singer and general influence, but certainly way ahead of everybody else. But she actually uh, is a better guitar player than I think a lot of people give her credit for. And Herrera, I think it is, she does almost all of the lead guitar herself, like all of the lead guitar and Coyote, stuff like that. That very, it's, It may be relatively simple, and I absolutely love what Robbie Robertson did with, with that on the last waltz but it still came from her original recording 
and you know, yeah, very good first choice. So, Mari, you had Joni Mitchell as well, yes? I did, and I'll probably near the top. I didn't write, rate mine, but yes, certainly. I want to just offer one additional quick comment. Joni Mitchell had polio as a young child, and um, I read somewhere uh, that left her with some limitations on uh, what she could do with her, her left hand, um, and that that may have contributed to her open tunings guitar style. I'm not sure whether that's true, but I have read that. Fascinating. Wow. I don't know if I... I don't remember yeah. ever hearing that, but it's possible I read huh. it a zillion years ago. Yeah, you know, and, and obviously she influenced an enormous amount. When I was in college, there were uh, multiple uh, players. And even after that, I knew somebody who went to Berkeley, uh, uh, the Berkeley School, and uh, clearly she modeled herself after you know, Johnny Mitchell. There was absolutely no question that that was clearly her you know, favorite artist and the way she wore her hair and, you know, and the, her, got her into guitar and, and as did Frank Zappa, but she didn't look, look anything like Frank Zappa, fortunately. But, uh, but it was, uh, um, yeah, big influence. So next, Mari, how about you? What else do you got? On your list. I can't resist that segue. Next time we get together, we do have to do the top 10 female guitar players that do look like Frank Zappa. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to put somebody on this list that I, I suspect one of you did and one of you didn't. And uh, you, whichever one of you did, you can help me with the pronunciation. Susan Tedeschi? Yeah. You, you've got the pronunciation right, and she is on my list. Ooh. What about you, Spoon? Yeah, she's on my list, too. She was the number two... They're pretty much tied, and so I have her under blues. I have uh, Johnny Mitchell under acoustic, and uh, Susan Tedeschi on blues. Um, for anybody who's not familiar with her um, and, uh, and the various bands that she has played in, uh, Tedeschi Trucks being the most well-known, uh, you've got to check her out. She's just an absolute phenomenal uh, guitar player, and... Um, you know, male, and female, singer. yeah, and a good singer. I don't know where she ranked in that 250, but she's definitely on there and, and probably ranked way too low for what I'm concerned. So, uh, yeah, I just, you know, fortunately, since she's from that, that background of like the Grateful Dead and Little Feet and Fish and all that, there are zillions of, uh, of videos out there because they don't mind if people tape their concerts. So, so uh, you guys should get on YouTube and, and Vimeo and all that, and check her out if you've never seen her. It's a total treat to watch her and uh, and I can't think of his name. Derek Trucks. Derek Trucks. Yeah, Derek. seeing them together particularly, but but anytime you get a chance to see her, Susan, she's a truly world class um, individualist. Yeah. I was fortunate enough to get a chance to see her um, in a show in Philadelphia. Quite a few years ago, before the uh, Tedeschi Trucks band was formed, uh, it may have been before Ooh. she and Derek were married, and she's just a powerhouse. And uh, I think she owes a lot to somebody else who one of us is going to name at some point in this podcast. I won't spoil that, but I want to tell you that when I think of her, I think she, I would call her the female Warren Haynes. And that's, that's not meant to be really, really clever, but I think of somebody who's almost unfairly doesn't get the recognition, but if you listen to some of the stuff they do, some of the some of the material they bring to the band that they didn't start, like you can th talk about the Almond Brothers all you want, 
Very few people go right to Warren Haynes when you talk about the legends and who belongs in which place. But at the same time, find a concert from the late 90s from the, the Almond Brothers and his singing and his guitar playing. I don't know that she's the guitar player that Warren Haynes is, but she's another puzzle piece that, sure, she's not Joni Mitchell, but you take her out of that. Take the Tedeschi Trucks band and just make it just Derek. Boy, is that different, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And again, I, you know, she was, I think, greatly influential on, on uh, female guitarists that are younger than her. So very good, very good. Um, okay, so if it's my turn, um, I'm going to, I probably have some people you guys don't have because of the way I approached this. So, um, so I'm going to just go back to acoustic right now and, uh, and Molly Tuttle, who is an extraordinary finger, uh, flat picker and, you know, right up there with all the great flat pickers. Um, but also absolutely uh, charming performer and extremely versatile. You know, she's, she's not just a new grass picker. So, uh, you know, just um, great touch, great technique, great fun and funny and all, and all the stuff that, that makes her a, uh, a wonderful in-concert artist. She's on my list too, Spoon, and I have seen her. I was fortunate enough to see her at the Ryman in Nashville as a guest artist with uh, a group called I'm With Her, which is um, uh, Sarah Jarroz, Sarah Watkins, and Effie O'Donovan, and um, just knocked me off my feet. Really great, great player. But she's been playing since she was a very young child. Uh, isn't she still a young child? <laughs> <laughs> Well, compare with you, old man, but yeah. yeah. Yes. <laughs> I want to tell you, she's on my list uh, since 11.45 because I forgot to put her on my list. And I peeked at Marsha's <laughs> list and I thought, oh, I can't have a list of the top female guitar players without her. But she kind of snuck into my memory. Uh, if you go back two years, I don't know that I knew who she was, but finding you know forum posts and Facebook stuff, it was quick to, uh, I mean, I don't know where she came out of or what her deal was five years ago before I ever heard her name. But I'm sure, you know, people in, in the right circles have, have known what she's been doing for a long time. I'm a little bit late to that party. All right. Well, I'm, I'm, this one's going to be sort of out of left field because this player is not widely known, period. And those who do know her, or let me, let me rephrase, you guys and everybody who's going to listen to this show has heard this woman play on thousands of thousands of recordings but she's not known as a guitar player she's known as a bassist and i'm uh -huh. including her anyway <laughs> and todd knows right away who i'm talking about is carol Kay. and carol Kay was a member of the wrecking crew um she's still around there are tons of videos of her online so you can you know watch her being interviewed and see highlights of some of her most famous bass lines like Sonny and Cher, The Beat Goes On, Beach Boys, Good Vibrations, many, many others. Uh, lots and lots of TV shows. Mission Impossible comes to mind. Um, just an extraordinary bass player. I think, I don't know for sure, but I think she played primarily with a pick. She was a guitarist first, but she discovered she was able to get more session work and make more money by being a bassist, so there you go. Um, wow. But boy, boy. She's just an unbelievably talented player. And if you think, and again, I, there, there are going to be people uh, listening to this who may not be familiar with the distinguished work of Sonny and Cher, those recording artists from the 60s. But if you think of that song and the beat goes on, just think of the intro. The, um, 
baseline makes that one chord song. And I saw, um, watched a, an interview with Carol Kay in which she talks about the challenge of coming up with bass part for a one chord song. And she was definitely up to the challenge. Absolutely. I, I, she's not on my list because I was going to do three honorable mentions at the end of the at the end of the podcast that are bass players and and f technically they are playing bass guitars so technically they are but yeah she's also <laughs> she also uh, picked up guitars through her session work all the time particularly when somebody suddenly wanted to add something and instead of waiting for somebody to come in they, you know she would give it a go and it definitely shows that she's a guitarist first on the the opening of good vibrations and that really interesting, you know, just really on so many levels groundbreaking recording at that time and how I, I don't think somebody who grew up playing the bass viol and got into electric guitar, bass guitar through that probably would have ever thought up that, you know, her the, the runs that she does on that. And I think that's definitely like a guitarist's mind, similar to Paul McCartney, a guitarist's mind playing, playing a bass. And um, yep. mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, good, good. Well, I'm going to go ahead with somebody who is unknown, relative, very unknown, really. I was going to the Martin factory, like I've done for years in and years out, like I'm going to this week, uh, to, to do my video reviews of the new Martins uh, coming out at the NAMM show. Because I learned back then that it's much better to play them in the Martin factory in the s s sound testing room than try to play them at the show where you can't hear yourself think and can't <laughs> really hear what they sound like. And Michael Dickinson, who had picked me up at the bus station, he was, to my surprise, was listening to Leo Kotke's first album. And as I was listening to it, I thought, did they remaster this? Because it sounds so almost too perfect to sound really clean and really uh, modern, you know, high-def recording. And it wasn't Leo Kotke. It was Mason Taylor, who is a young woman from, I think, Wisconsin, though she may have ended up in Nashville eventually. I think she only has that one CD, and it's full of covers, uh, Kotke covers and other, and other um, you know, acoustic solo stuff. But... Oh. She just absolutely nailed the Kotke stuff from his famous first, you know, technically it wasn't his first record, the Armadillo record, which was his first national record um, that, um, that was put out. And uh, she's still out there, but when I, I in fact, I, I thought, well, maybe I'll look her up. She, had, she has no internet presence since 2008, and I'm not sure why hmm. that is. There's definitely videos of her uh, playing in various places and performing, so I'm not exactly sure why that is. There's a, um, in fact, she, there's a wonderful picture, uh, video of her when she's quite young, probably still a teenager, doing Leo Kotke's, um, oh, what's the name of that song? It's um, with a, uh, he plays it with a slide and with a lot of harmonics and, um, oh, I can't think of the name of it. Um, Standing in My Shoes, I think it's what it's called. And, oh. uh, and she's playing it on a Bruce Petros uh, dreadnought. Um, but uh, totally worth checking out, and uh, she's quite a, you know, quite a phenom in her, you know, in her own right. And as far as I know, she is, you know, performing and stuff still around the country. But she, she never made another CD, as far as I know. And and uh, she, you see her mentioned a lot by other people saying you have to check this lady out. So Mason Taylor, and that's M A C Y N, uh, Taylor. So, 
Unlike the other Taylor, she uh, chose to play Martins and other guitars um, other than Taylor's. But yeah, but was she at the Chiefs game? Um, definitely not. <laughs> <laughs> she had a gig that night. Probably, hopefully, <laughs> hopefully. I texted Andrew and I told him that um, Taylor Swift's boyfriend just got a touchdown. But <laughs> he didn't think it was uh, funny. <laughs> indeed. Okay, well, that's three of my four acoustics, but let's move on. Mario, who you got? I have Sean Colvin, but don't make the mistake that some people make. Uh, a friend of a friend stopped by a couple years ago. I forget why she was at my house. But she said something about what she was doing that evening. She said, what are you doing tonight? I said, I'm going to go see Sean Colvin. Oh, I like him. Now, why would you say that? Because that only proves you don't like her. Uh, but I, I really have I found Sean Colvin's music through Jackson Brown's music. It shouldn't surprise anybody. But Sean Colvin, uh, really, really great with Hope and Tunings. Probably one of the folkier artists on, on my list of, of quote-unquote top female artists. But I really do think of her... As equal parts, I, I think her songwriting is, is, is probably my, the favorite thing about her for me, but I think she's as good a guitar player as she is a songwriter, and not to mention I, her voice is great. But I really, I kind of think she's under the radar quite a bit where some people would laugh if I think you, you don't know her, but by the same token, someone else might react like, who's that? But Sean Colvin's on my list, and I don't know if you guys had her on, on, your, on your list. I did not, but I think she's a good pick. I have seen her. She's a very powerful guitar player. She really digs in. You know, anybody who has a Martin signature model named after them or created after them, you know, can't be all bad. Well, it's funny. Well, not funny, but with some irony, you talked about you her, like her songwriting first and foremost. I first got turned on to her by her album Cover Girl, which is her doing nothing but cover tunes, including like every little thing, you know, he does his magic and, you know, If These Walls Could Speak, and Satin Sheets, which is uh, by Willis Allen Ramsey, one of my all-time favorite artists who um, only ever put out one album in 1971. So, um, and I think that's what drew me to it, that tune. But then I got to, you know, know her more and got to see her at the bottom line and see her solo, you know, where she's a terrific solo artist. And um, I've never, never have seen her with a band except on television. And also, I think, I think around that same time, uh, she appeared at the Dylan 30th anniversary concert at the, the Garden. I actually had a dress rehearsal for a play that night. I was directing, so I couldn't go, and I had to give my ticket to somebody else, uh, which I just, you know, still regret all this time. But <laughs> she and Mary J Chapin Carpenter and maybe it was Roseanne Cass, I don't know, did a, did rocking chair together at that show. But um, Oh, wow. Yeah, Sean Colvin, not on my list because of how I chose to do it. Uh, if I was focusing more on the singer-songwriters that I really liked a lot, she would, would definitely be on the list. Last time I saw her, it was in New York City with some guy named Graham Nash. Oh, boy, that had to have been terrible. <laughs> <laughs> was that at uh, City Winery? It was, yep. Yeah, I still haven't gotten to the new City Winery to see anything there. So, uh, Marshall, what do we got? Well, I said, I, I uh, sort of um, gave a hint about this one earlier when we were talking about Susan Tedeschi, and I said that I, I think her performing style, particularly her vocal style, um, owes a lot to this artist, and that's Bonnie Raitt. Bonnie Raitt's a favorite of mine. Uh, she's a great player, both acoustic and electric. A lot of people know her as a slide player, but she's powerhouse on acoustic guitar. 
Um, no, she doesn't play Martins. Uh, she, she favors uh, Guild Jumbos. You know, if you want to hear just an example of why I put her on the list, look up um, a live performance of um, Love Me Like a Man, which is a Chris Smithers song that she sort of made her own. And, you know, she just kills on that song. But, you know, there are any number of great uh, pieces um, uh, by Bonnie Raitt that you can find. And um, I always thought that Susan Tedeschi's vocal style sort of uh, harkened back to Bonnie Raitt. They, they're both very powerful singers. So I know we're talking about guitars and guitar playing, but, um, you know, I, I sort of, I had both, both Bonnie and Susan Tedeschi in my list of blues players. Yeah, she's on mine as well. Um, I think she probably has a wider presence and, and influence um, than most other uh, female blues artists. And, of course, uh, Susan uh, Tedeschi um, is much younger and, and has you know, hit a whole new audience. But Bonnie Raitt, she's now one of the you know, senior spokespersons for Americana blues. And, and um, so it's a delight, again, thanks to the Internet, to be able to see performances of her when she was very young. I think she's also featured in that wonderful documentary about, uh, about Laurel Canyon and also uh, the one about um, the troubadour in L.A. and stuff like that. So it's always, always fun to see her. She's somebody else who has been performing since she was very young and, and, you know, and, and has only gotten better and better and better as it's gone along. Um, and so I will, I'll stick then with, uh, with somebody else who uh, uh, is uh, s similar stature, but not, probably not as well known, and is, I think, probably could be considered more traditional hardcore blues, and that's Rory Block, who, uh, speaking of really uh, terrific bottleneck and slide players, and... Um, with her own style, but still rooted very much in, in traditional uh, Southern blues. I don't know if she's attached to any particular style, but um, and I had quite a treat to seeing her from the front row at the wow. big concert they had at Pennsylvania State Theater years ago when Martin did a. Uh, it, this was before the Dick Boak retirement concerts. They did a show a night there of. Martin artists, and she came out and did a whole set just by herself, and then of course played. Huh. I think got, you know got up with other people like Norma Kalkin and stuff like that. But that was a treat. I'd never seen her live, and I really wasn't quite, really wasn't prepared for uh, for just uh, how impressive she really was, you know, and in terms of dynamics and power and all that. Yeah, if you were in the front row, she probably knocked you back like those old Maxell tape ads. That's, that's exactly <laughs> what it was like. Exactly like what it was like. She's on my list too. Um, and when I was preparing my list, um, I tried to find a representative video of each artist. And the one of her is just incredible. She had just completed her Robert Johnson album. She did a, an album of all Robert Johnson tunes. And I found a performance of her doing Crossroads. At first, you don't recognize it, at least if you're uh, my vintage and you're thinking of the cream and thinking of Cream's version of Crossroads. For, uh, she she just blew me away. Um, it's very very wonderful. So look it up, Rory Block uh, on YouTube playing Crossroads. In fact, I think her art, uh, artist signature model was somewhat influenced by that. Didn't it have like a it was a highway on it or yeah something like yeah, that yeah. on the fretboard yeah on the fretboard yeah yeah. Mari, 
I like it. I like it. I have another person on my list. See if it's on yours. Are you ready? I'm going to say this name and you have to think, which one do I mean? Nancy Wilson. <laughs> she's on my list too, Maury. Uh, she's not yes. on mine, but I had thought about adding her. Um, I'm assuming you're talking about Nancy Wilson of Heart, not the jazz singer. <laughs> you are right. Yep. <laughs> Nancy Wilson. And I'll tell you, she got, she got huge points because of the acoustic stuff that I've heard her do on those classic Heart albums, and most especially the, I forget the title of it, it's got its own name before Crazy on You, and it's not just that that little piece put her on this list, but that little piece certainly, uh, I mean, she's been in so many interviews where she's been called so great as a guitar player, so great for a girl, you know, all, the, all that horse shit that shouldn't be anywhere near the internet anymore. Um, but she really made me think of, looking back on those old videos and old stories, how she, she would rather have that uh, band uh, pattern after something like Led Zeppelin and not the, uh, the 80s cheese that they had to you know, do some stuff to pay the bills. But I think her guitar playing, her playing on, on a lot of that stuff, most especially the acoustic stuff that I know, uh, is what put her on my list. And I'll be the first to admit, I don't know a ton of their old back catalog. And I'm not entirely sure when you listen to an old heart record how much of the electric guitar work was and wasn't her, if any. Um, but she's, uh, you know, the, the, that side of that, that half of that sisterhood is what put her on that list for me. I think the song that you're thinking of is Dreamboat Annie. The intro to Dreamboat Annie is wonderful. And again, there are videos of that. Um, I found a nice one uh, uh, where she's playing an ovation, as people did back then, um, because they were sort of the only game in town uh, to be uh, to electrify an acoustic you know in the early days um, also a Martin artist signature model for Nancy Wilson oh, um, yeah yeah but um, and I think that Hart always had you know um, a lead guitar player you know sort of a heavy-duty macho lead guitar players so I, I don't know how much lead work she did but she did a lot of great acoustic stuff and she's just a solid player and yes, it was definitely Dreamboat Annie that, you know, kind of got my attention and made me realize, you know, she's more impressive. I, I didn't take them very seriously at first because they were basically just on the radio. And, and I mean, but certainly classic rock stuff, the boom, you know, all those runs and stuff that she did. And, uh, and certainly that? once you saw them on television, you realized she was playing them, you know. Um, yeah. But, uh, but... And I have to say, you know, when you think back to that era and, like you said, the call it 80s cheese, but the style that people were producing at the time, the style of the sound that you had to have on the snare drums and, and whatever else they wanted to add in, there's an awful lot of bands that did not have the lasting power and, you know, in the classic rock radio world and stuff like that as, as their hits. Um, I think that says a lot for her, but but I I didn't add her in here because she wasn't somebody that was a you know. Again, I was thinking more. Um, she actually that's not true. She was one of the first people I wrote down, but then I off, off then she got bumped because of the other people I had in the rock world, and um, one of them is in fact I'm going to give you my last official acoustic artist because you mentioned the um, the ovation, and yes, at that time ovation was the really the first. For, for one thing, they weren't made of wood, and so that weird, odd-shaped piece of fiberglass that that actually was literally the uh, came from a mold of a piece that was put on helicopters, part of a helicopter engine. 
Yeah. Because um, it was made at an old helicopter factory, and that's where they came up with that body. Did, uh, didn't feed back uh, in big arenas at a time when it was, they were, you know, it was, acoustic pickups were in their infancy, and that's why everybody from Keith Partridge to Adrian Legg to, to everybody uh, played a ovation. Paul well, McCartney? This, uh, Paul McCartney. Well, <laughs> well, this artist, Kaki King, is really more a, a composer. I mean, she's a brilliant uh, a modern guitarist, fingerstyle, slap, uh, you know, tap, alternate tuning. But she's also a composer, does uh, chamber orchestra composition that she performs with. And, and uh, she actually plays Adamas acoustic guitars, which is Ovation's off-brand. <laughs> and though they still have higher-end models, you know, outside of the... Outside of the, but that she just likes. She play, has a couple of different Adamas. She probably has her own Adamas signature model by now. But she had a couple of different uh, models that she really liked, and um, that kind of fit her style. Black with those kind of bubble sound hole things that they have, and but yeah. uh, really a a, a a remarkable individual artist. And uh, that's Kaki K A K I. So people are listening to this who've not seen her or heard her. Um, she's really, uh, you know, a world-class, I, I wouldn't call her avant-garde performance, uh, performance yeah. or composer, but certainly unique. Um, she is also. unique. Absolutely. She was on my list. The representative video that I selected was one of her chamber music pieces. And um, she's impossible to categorize, but she's incredibly talent, yeah. talented as a musician and composer. So we've gotten 10 on our list so far. Well, I made 20 of my own, so we don't have to go through all of them. But Maury, Maury what do you got uh, next? Well, that, I can't resist. You guys make it sound like we're at the middle of the show, and you said the word 20. <laughs> Hence my question. You guys want to play? <laughs> oh, I think he's talking about 20 questions. Oh. <laughs> 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 20 questions 20 questions so this is the game typically where one of us either the smart guy being Maury or the wise guy being Spoon uh, thinks of a, a guitar uh, that the other person has to guess what it is but today we have our one of our favorite special guests we have Marshall Fleischer and he is going to he is going to uh, pick a Martin guitar that's available for sale today and Mari and I are going to take turns uh, asking questions. We get up to 20 questions collectively, and we can guess up to three models as to what uh, might be those three models count toward those 20 questions. So, Marshall, are you ready? I am ready. Okay, Mari, I'll, as host, I'll let you have the first question. You're on the clock. 20 questions now. Okay, Marshall, is this guitar... Made in Nazareth. Yes. Marshall, is this guitar made with the dreadnought body size? Yes. Marshall, is this guitar a modern deluxe? Yes. Okay, so Marshall, is this guitar made with rosewood back and sides? Yes. That's four questions. We're batting a thousand. Marshall, does this model have electronics? No. Ooh, ah. Does this guitar have abalone pearl somewhere on the top? 
Nope. Ooh, ah. <laughs> Marshall, is this guitar the D28 Modern Deluxe? Yep. <laughs> Mario, you still got it. I picked an easy one, and I, I got my uh, specs just in case on my <laughs> iPad. <laughs> well, they are very impressive guitars, that's for sure. Marshall, have you ever do you own a, Mar a modern deluxe? I own a triple O eighteen modern deluxe. Yes. Uh -huh. Very nice. I absolutely love it, and I will just say, and this is an um, unsolicited and uncompensated plug for Martin. I don't get why people don't get the Modern Deluxe series. Maybe they do, but I don't. I get the sense that it's sort of they're hidden gems that people aren't buying them in the numbers that they might if they knew how much better they are than their counterparts in the standard series. I owned a Triple O eighteen from twenty twenty one. It's a great guitar. I loved it. I got a Triple O eighteen Modern Deluxe on my hands. Boom, sold the standard triple O eighteen right away. No comparison. And every modern deluxe guitar I've played, and I've played quite a few of them. I've played OM28, Triple O forty two, D eighteen, every one has just been the bee's knees. They found a secret sauce, it's great between the torification and you know the uh, composite bridge plate and the various other things. Plus they just look smashing. If I were in the market, um, and had a spare seventy-three, seventy-four hundred $7,400, you know, I might buy myself a triple O 42 Modern Deluxe. <laughs> and it should be noted that we're recording this podcast in mid-January. By the time you hear it, Marshall may have found that money, so don't write him off yet. <laughs> <laughs> Not bloody likely. But I think you've already hit on two reasons as to why. I think they are definitely cost more, and for a lot of people, just getting to a standard yeah. D twenty eight is an enormous investment for them. Oh yeah, but uh, and also they are non traditional. So there's people just like the people who, who only want a small shop builder because they want to imagine this guy was sitting there with his carpenter's apron on in a tiny little woodshed, you know, carving everything with a pocket knife like, uh, <laughs> like Wayne Henderson claims to do, and. Uh, that's you know that's a big thing for them and the fact that they they don't have a traditional maple bridge plate and the fact that they don't have you know some there's they have some non-traditional features personally I love the neck it's one of my all-time favorite necks and yeah. and I'm glad uh, I am you know I I don't think I'll ever have a guitar again without a cutaway and I I I'm glad they will allow you know allow me to use that neck now as a custom order so maybe someday I'll get that neck on a on a custom but um, but uh, yes, that's a, they're great guitars. And um, let's go back to the great guitarists, though. Mari, do you have another female artist on your list? I do. Thanks very much, Marshall. That was a fun game, and um, I'm glad I won. Yep. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm going to mention somebody who was actually on, let me say it this way. When we talked about our reactions to the Rolling Stones' 250 Greatest Guitar Players, this person's name was on the podcast in our reactions anyway. Chrissy Hind of The Pretenders, I don't have a big enough list to have 10 and 20 and honorable mentions. So this is kind of an honorable mention within the scope of the actual list itself. I didn't say it differently when we first talked about her. I wouldn't consider her 
a terrific, tremendous guitar player as far as evidence that I could actually back it up with. But when I think of name a female guitar player, my mind, again, we talked about the beginning of this, this program, relevance, who do I think of as far as influence on guitar players that are playing guitar now that want to look to a, a female role model, they might not have to look and see exactly how, how many chords she can play or is she going to sit in a room against Molly Tuttle and, and win a contest. But I, I can't not think of the pretenders and the even is singer songwriter is probably not even the right way to describe her but a female like when you when you rent the movie it's a, a a movie with a strong female lead she's a strong female lead in the pretenders and i i have to i have to call her a guitar player here oh i i i she's not on my list but i agree with her inclusion she has a very distinctive sound those pretenders records uh, i don't you know you you electric players will know better than i do what the sound is i don't know whether it's a chorus or or flange or what but you know, it's a very distinctive sound, and right away you sort of know it's Chrissy Hind. Yeah, that's a good Thank point. You. She is on my list, along with Joni Mitchell, as the two that I made exceptions for that has more to do with the whole package, as you, you know, put it, her influence on me. I was very anachronistic. Uh, when I was in college in that era, I was still very much stuck at Woodstock, and and in immediate, immediately thereafter, you know, Electric Ladyland and... Dark Side of the Moon and the Beatles albums and all that stuff. And it really was The Pretender's first album that would get played at parties. And then I got the second album, which has The Adulteress, which is just a blistering uh, track. Mm -hmm. But yes, now Jimmy Scott is, was the official lead guitarist. And when he died, Robbie McIntosh came in. Um, but uh, Chrissy was the main songwriter. She's the one that came up with the, you know, the, the chord progressions. She's a very uh, clever rhythm guitar player. She's got great licks that she comes up with on her own. And then I think as they got older, too, when you see later stuff, she was even more uh, of a force, I think, in the guitar playing field. So, yeah, they, they kind of pulled me into the modern world. And compared to other people, Poison Ivy of the Cramps, uh, people, other uh, you know what were maybe hotter guitar players in that era of those kind of rock and rollers. Um, I never knew very much, and their 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 music never really uh, did much for me. But she's on there. By the way, Spoon, um, I'm still stuck back in the the era of Woodstock music. <laughs> um, there's nothing wrong with that. I am still, you know, I've got at least one full boot back there too. So yeah. <laughs> Tune in to Martin versus Martin Tuesday evening, and you'll see what I'm talking about. <laughs> anyway, all right. Well, I um, one of my categories is legends, and Joni Mitchell and Carol Kay were both in my legends category. And here's another one. It's Maybell Carter. Maybell Carter is or was an incredibly influential guitar player, um, musician generally speaking, and um, certainly not the best guitarist that um, we've named so far. But I don't think you can have a list of influential or important female guitarists without including her. I think that's true. There's probably, she's not on my list for the for previously stated reasons. But if you're doing uh, influences and and like you said, legends, she's got to be there. The Carter family uh, practically invented what we call modern uh, country music, even really to a degree beyond Jimmy Rogers and. Certainly, the, what what we consider Nashville and and um, 
Blue Ridge, mm. you know, country music. And she lived for such a long time that she had an influence in that respect, too, as a living legend on other artists who got to perform with her and, and, and all that. So, you know, whether it was the Nitty Gritty Dirt Band when they did the Will the Circle Be Unbroken record, you know, all that stuff. So her brother, A.P., would was a traveling salesman, and he would basically collect songs from back back holler people, and um, whether it's ethical or not, then go publish them and make a lot of money, a lot of money when they would record them. <laughs> but so they introduced America to an, an enormous amount of what had been uh, previously undocumented folk music that they then they then learned and, and exposed to the world as recording artists. So yeah, it's, you know, just Wildwood Flower, you know, is is. Uh, which is a tune that yeah. they popularized and that she played, and you know the tune's been used to, to uh, for a variety of lyrics by other artists to make other songs. But, but yeah, that's a yeah, that's a great one based on on that. So yeah, okay. So I'm gonna I'm gonna skip the one I was gonna mention for right now that Chrissy Hines made me think of, and I'm gonna go with a different legend uh, that's in the rock scene, and this is the artist known as Lady Bo whose real name, I think, is Peggy Jones. Peggy Smith or Peggy Jones. She was Bo Diddley's lead guitar player. And a lot of the classic licks that we think of from Bo Diddley records that have then were covered by everybody from the Beatles onward were actually Lady Bo. Uh, uh, she's the one that came up with them. And she's really? the one that did similar... Similarly, and particularly George Harrison, a lot of people say George Harrison's greatly influenced by Chet Atkins, but if you listen to his little clever lead Philly things that he does, uh, so much of them come from, from uh, either Chuck Berry or, or the Bo Diddley, but it was really uh, Peggy, what, uh, Peggy Jones, I think her name is. But she performed under the name Lady Bo all the way until well into the 20th century. She was still alive and still... Still, uh, you know, old-fashioned uh, roadhouse rock kind of guitarist, huh. and you know, and when she went off on her own, she you know did her own singing and stuff. So wow. Lady Bo, greatly influential, but one of those people that a lot of people have never even heard of and even knew was, you know, behind some of those uh, classic Bo Diddley records. Um, I'm guilty of that. I I didn't know that. I, I I learned something today. Me neither. Yeah, same here. Are we back to Maury? I think we're back to Maury. Uh-oh, I don't know how many more he has. I'm going to name somebody right now that I really didn't have on my radar at all until the time I went to NAMM. The, uh, the only time Spoon and I were at NAMM together, and I, I can't remember if he said, look, that's her, or, or I said it to him, but Muriel Anderson. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. On my list, too. Unquestionably. On my list? It's on classical, yeah. Yep. But 15 years ago, I had no idea who she was. I started to sort of know who she was, and it was just dumb luck that right at the time where I kind of understood what her music was, uh, we actually bumped into her at the at the Martin booth, which is where we just set up camp and probably never left as soon as we got there. But yeah, Muriel Anderson is next on my list, and I think my list is almost, except for a couple of last-minute additions, that might be it for me. What can you guys tell me about Muriel? Well, one thing about her is that she's um, uh, she's done a number of recordings on harp guitar, um, and um, there's really something to listen to. She's she plays in a variety of styles, classical as well, but uh, her harp guitar recordings um, are maybe a good place uh, for you to dip your toe as you uh, want to listen to Muriel Anderson. 
Yeah, I have her in my classical slash nylon string players, and I try to keep this based on their professionalism, but she's absolutely adorable as a person. She, particularly when you meet her in person, that. yeah, she's absolutely yeah. adorable. And and um, and there is, I know, I, I it's probably still out there. Long ago, she had a video out there where she was demonstrating the harp guitar and how it works and showing, you know, and giving uh, some really amazing things. Uh, one of our dearest friends, Frank Krupen and his wife, are, are, are good friends with her because they, they've been seeing her for years and years and years wow. back, you know, going way back into her career to the point that they're, you know, they're on first name basis and, and you know, they oh, used wow. to always try to see her whenever she was around. Very cool. So they had, you know, they had told me about her um, and I you know a little bit, but it was when I met them at Martinfest and we were talking about guitarists and they brought that up. I think they're actually going to see her at some point or had just, just seen her. And and then uh, afterwards, that's we went to Ham, and there she was, and and very charismatic person in a very, you know, a very quiet, nice way. But uh, but the, she certainly has a certain sparkle about her personality-wise. And um, so yeah, she's on my, my among my four nylon slash classical players. Sweet. What else you got, Marshall? Under the blues heading in my list, I've got Sister Rosetta Tharp. Um, who was a sort of pioneering uh, blues woman, played uh, almost almost all the videos that I've seen of her. She's playing a white Gibson SG. So she was an electric <laughs> player and played some pretty hot blues licks and, you know, was a belter as well. And um, uh, she, um, I think, also is a very influential musician who might not be terribly widely known, uh, to modern-day audiences, but uh, worth checking her out. Sister Rosetta Tharp. Spoon, what do you think? Well, and apparently, according to what video footage still exists of her, she also, no matter where she was, no matter if she was at Carnegie Hall or whatever, she always performed in what looked like the winter frock coat of, a, of yes. like a middle-class housewife. And... Uh, <laughs> And so maybe she was cold, you know, always cold. But uh, it's a trademark. But yes, it's you know, it is pretty. It is but by modern standards, it's kind of funny to see this African American woman in that big winter coat with her hair done in the old-fashioned hairstyle. And but there, I think there's deeper reasons for this. She was playing in the blues genre, and you know, with a greatly overloaded overdriven amp and you know big fuzz tone before they had pedals for that kind of stuff yeah. but she was singing the blues but none of her songs are improper they're not raunchy it's not about rocking and rolling all night long in the back room or any of that stuff it's a, and a lot of them yeah. are very faith related you know a lot of spirit you know uh, almost got you know gospel uh, it's like yeah. blues blues gospel blues and and very you know above board uh, stuff that you know is you could even say is you know there, I don't know there might be a murder ballad in there somewhere but but for the most part it's family friendly <laughs> blues at a time <laughs> when typical roadhouse blues often wasn't you know though they yeah. you know they would save the they would save those songs at the midnight rambles until after the kids were in bed sort of thing but she never went down that road so but uh, but yes yeah greatly influential particularly uh, you know for I don't know if anybody else was playing in a Gibson SG uh, when she was. You know, she was probably one of the very early artists to adopt that guitar as a main as a major yeah. guitar. Um, 
All right, well, I'm going to stay stick with blues then and add my last blues uh, person, which is um, Anna Popovic. It's hard for me that she's Serbian, so I'm not sure if it's Popovic. Popovic. But she is, she's a, a you know, worldwide traveling artist and very much in a, uh, uh, when you think of Tadetsk, I can never say her name right. Tedetsky. What? Tedetsky. No, say it. <laughs> Marshall. Tedeschi. Tedeschi. Uh, Tedeschi or Bonnie Raitt. Well, this woman is very much in the style that you would put Stevie Ray Vaughan and uh, those kind of uh, um, Albert King, Stevie Ray Vaughan. I know that her father was a professional musician in Serbia and um, and her mother may have been as well, but but she's uh, she's... Uh, I don't even know how old she is now. She's probably in her 40s now, but she's been around uh, since the 80s and, uh, and is a uh, you know, hardcore uh, Stratocaster, you know, Stevie Ray Vaughan, Albert King kind of blues player. So <laughs> if you like that kind of stuff, you should check her out because she's also a very powerful singer and, and a lot of fun to see. And when she gets over here, she's often in, you know, plays in music festivals and stuff like that because she's not that well known over here. But uh, so I think she just played Jim Thorpe very recently. Now that you say that, I think she was just near my hometown. Is that right? Oh, I wouldn't be surprised. Sure. Maybe she's even over here permanently now. I don't know. Uh, that's entirely possible. But um, she gets a lot of ink and vintage guitar magazine. Uh, that's a periodical mm. I subscribe oh, to. Oh, no kidding. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. that, that rounds up my blues. So I've gone through my acoustic, which were... We can do some revision, uh, you know, re revisiting Joni Mitchell, Khaki King, Molly Tuttle, Mason Taylor, uh, and then my blues are finished. That was Susan Tedeschi, Roy Block, Anna Popovich, and Bonnie Raitt. Um, well, I've got an acoustic finger stylist, actually several of them, but I'll just limit uh, my remarks to one who maybe neither of you know, but she's awesome. Her name is Mary Flower. And Mary Flower um, is uh, probably approaching my age. I'm 72, so she's been around for a while. She's a brilliant finger picker. Um, you may see her if you if if you um, frequent the um, uh, if you if you're if you're looking on the internet for guitar porn, as many of us do. One of the websites you, you might go to is Dream Guitars, which is in Asheville, North Carolina. Oh. Oh, I know and Mary Flower about. does, yeah, she does a number of the video demos for Dream Guitars, showing some of their fabulous guitars. And there's a, a demo, a video of her demoing a Martin OM28 from, I'm going to say 1931, thereabouts, give or take, that is um, worth watching. A because she's a great guitar player, and B because the guitar just sounds so incredibly <laughs> good. Um, a wide variety of material that she does. These days she's um, playing um, a, a Frolini guitar, an individual luthier, um, Todd Cambio. I, I'm not sure if I'm getting his name right, but it's a cool guitar. Um, and um, He's an uh, American builder? He's an American builder, yeah. And um, uh, the, the, the brand of guitar, Frolini, is spelled F-R-A-U-L-I-N-I. Um, but more to the point, Mary Flower, that's an easy name to remember. Look her up. You will be rewarded if you do. Yeah, great, nice. great. Uh, yeah, that's uh, totally off the radar. But yes, now as soon as you mentioned Dream Guitar, I know who you're talking about. Um, and yes, it's fun to just go there 
and listen to it. I think it's a bit unfair that they get people like that to demo the guitars because they are definitely making them sound <laughs> better than most living individuals can possibly make them sound. But That's but, definitely uh, true. But um, How about jazz, Todd? I have one more. Well, actually, I had two more rocks. I'll just put them out there. St. Vincent is a, mo a young modern artist who I don't remember her real name right now, but she does everything from Beatles covers to to probably Hendrix, and you know she 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 clearly acknowledges her influences and uh, and does a great job. You know, um, I don't know, I dig a pony. I mean, all kinds of stuff that she'll do, <laughs> but she uh, but she um, does a lot of her own modern, more um, you know, contemporary style stuff and. And she's considered one of the hot uh, guitarists today, you know, and has a big following and goes by the name St. Vincent, the ST period Vincent, for those who don't know her, but I imagine a lot of people listening mm -hmm. do. And then the other person is Brittany Howard, speaking of African-American ah. women with big voices from the Alabama Shakes. Now, she's a force to be re reckoned with, you know, <laughs> and I'm sure... Uh, Agreed. Yeah, I'm sure Sister Rosetta had a, you know, was a major part of her background, if not Odetta, for that matter. But um, yeah, those are two uh, Alabama Shakes. If you've never heard them, they're they're great, uh, great roadhouse rock slash blues stuff. So those huh. are my, ending my rock. Do you have any jazz people uh, on your list? I do. Emily Remler. Yeah, yeah, she's the top of my list. She was one of the Absolutely. very first. To up there with Joni Mitchell and uh, Tedeschi, she was one of the first people out of my mouth. Um, Not familiar. Remler is spelled R-E-M-L-E-R, -E -E Emily Remler. Again, those who are not familiar with her, just look her up, find her videos on YouTube. Uh, she died relatively young. I don't know her full story. I don't know what the cause of death was, but her career was, you know, somewhat short. Um, but brilliant jazz guitar player. Well, like Jimmy Scott and a lot of people from that era, she died of, or, or really uh, Paul Kossoff of Free, she died of a of opioid-related heart failure, unfortunately. And, um, wow. And, yeah, she was, she was a rising star in the uh, traditional jazz uh, world, but also blues, you know, played some really great blues. She played a, a Gibson 330 which is the the jazz guitar that doesn't have the solid block in the center like the 335 right. does. And yeah. um, she played other guitars too, but I think she's mainly known for playing a 330 with, you know, just straight, straight, no distortion, no, you know, very clean uh, sort of George, George Barnes sound. And, um, and yeah, she was, uh, whether you're talking women guitarists or not, I think when you're talking modern jazz guitarists, she's all, always way up at the top of the list and, yeah. and died, you know, far too young. Um, that's 20, guys. Well, I'm finished Ooh. off my jazz, too, because I have... Uh, who do I have? Um, I have Mary Osborne, who... Uh, speaking of George Barnes, Mary Osborne started playing professionally in the 30s. She died in the 70s. And she was a, a traditional... Uh, uh, you know, she played with a lot of big uh, singers. So she... Um, so you can check her out. Uh, Lenny Stern, whose husband Mike oh, Stern yeah. may be more more well known, but she's yeah. also a great modern jazz player and more more modern fusion stuff. And then Joyce Cooling is a modern, very smooth. You know, she's the kind of person you're going to hear on more easy listening dentist office 
station. She's got a sort of a that sort of uh, George Benson are uh, two two you know double stop playing and a lot of that very very smooth, nice you know traditional but more in the George Benson Spirogyra era sort of sound to her even though she's a lot younger but that's clearly where her influences come from. So those are the end of my jazz people. And then I have to say one thing. You mentioned Sharon Merrill, Anderson got Merrill, uh, Sharon Ibsen. We're going to talk about the, yeah. the crossover classical players. Um, <laughs> Leona F Boyd is a half English, half Spanish uh, flamenco player who's really hot. And then I've got to mention this young woman. Um, she's, she is uh, not Serbian. She's Croat, and she is Anna Vid Vidovic. 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 Yeah. And uh, she's, speaking of adorable, she's really charismatic, really beautiful, literally really beautiful, young 20s, but but a uh, child prodigy uh, classical player. And um, mm. and now not a child anymore, but is, uh, mm -hmm. you know, is really, uh, really uh, beautiful. And, um, and so I like to listen to her too. But... Um, I think that rounds out my female guitarists that I like a lot. Well, before this episode gets too long in the tooth, I want to invite you guys listening, those of you who are watching this on the YouTube version, please let us know in the comments or the chat, who did we get right? Who did we miss? Somebody out there has to know somebody that was not spoken for. It's probably <laughs> Marshall's fault, possibly Spoon's fault, but can't be my fault. And I, I, want, I want to name three more people on my, they weren't on my list, but as we talked, those names came into my mind. And I certainly have to go back to the, uh, the vibe of uh, influence and who they are in the musical landscape, not, maybe not their chops, but so much so I only have to say their first name, not their second name. Do you agree that I should say the words Amy Lou? Carly, and Joan. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think Emily Harris is certainly influenced in her own way. I wouldn't. I wouldn't think of her in terms of guitar chops necessarily. And, right. Uh, or Carly Simon. Well, it depends. You mean Joan Armadrading? Joan Baez. Oh, Joan Baez, yes. of course. Joan Baez had been on my because she certainly was a big influence on me and her finger picking. And I think just. Diamonds and Rust on its own is a very impressive, you know, piece of guitar playing and composition. So yeah, I think so. But John, John Armour trading, a lot of people men say they're one of her favorite. she's one of their favorite guitarists. I've never seen her in concert or anything, but I do a couple mm -hmm. of her songs. But um, yeah, she's good. But um, there is one glaring omission. I can't let this show end without mentioning Elizabeth Cotton. I was wondering why you didn't mention her. <laughs> Wow. Because when it comes to legends and, and see, I didn't go with, again, with the legend thing. Um, she was certainly inventive and influential, but, but uh, a lot of people don't even know who she is now. Well, that's, that's sad. Um, uh, just think of if you're an acoustic guitar player and you're learning how to finger pick, one of the first songs that you probably tried to learn was Freight Train. That's an Elizabeth Cotton piece. Um, one of the um, amazing facts about Elizabeth Cotton was she was a left-hander and she played left-handed. She played a right, a righty-strung guitar left-handed. So instead of picking bass notes with her thumb, like most of us do, she used her fingers and then she played the melody notes with her thumb uh, and developed this style that we all refer to as cotton picking. Um, uh, but 
completely backwards, but a very, very influential sort of well, seminal figure in the world of guitar play, acoustic guitar playing. Certainly, and, and, she, and she ends up on a lot of lists, I think, because they're like, we need, to, we need, we need women to name, and, that's, and so for a lot of people, she's the only woman guitarist from the old days they can even remember, unfortunately. But yeah, she, kind of, she invented a kind of picking that, that a lot of people, we all go back to Merle Travis and say it's Travis picking because he played with his thumb and his index finger. But yeah. she was doing it before he was doing it. She's just doing it completely reverse, which is amazing when you see her do it. When you watch her play yeah. Freightainer or any, anything else. Yeah. Hmm. yeah. Well, I'd like to close out my portion by saying I was going to mention three bass players that I felt deserved to be mentioned. One of them was Carol Kay. The other one is, what's her name? Tal Wilkenfeld. Tal Wilkenfeld. She? She's on yeah. my list too. Oh. Yeah, Jeff Beck's bass player. But also a lot of other people but but you know regular bass six string bass uh she's amazing and clearly somebody who's approaching it as a musician not just as a bass player and then i'm mm-hmm. going to just mention uh could you mention chrissy hine and i mentioned chrissy hine tina weymouth of uh, talking heads was Perfect. a major uh, th- right after the pretenders with talking heads really kind of brought me into what back then was contemporary music and uh and when you see her on stage, uh, you, she's one of those people that you realize is a, is a much uh, more interesting musician than you might know from listening to the records. But when you watch her actually playing, um, she's a, mm. a very good bass player that, again, was probably a guitarist before she was a bass player and kind of approaches things through that mindset. But, um, Maury, do we have a cu- uh, time for a, a couple of real quick honorable mentions? Absolutely, we do. Courtney Hartman, a great uh, acoustic player um, in the bluegrass vein, but she just goes well beyond bluegrass. I sort of think of her at the same time as Molly Tuttle. Um, Bunny Barnes, wow. no one here has heard of Bunny Barnes. She's a fingerstyle player from my area, the Philadelphia area. She's kind of a Tommy Emmanuel acolyte. Wow. She's incredible, absolutely incredible. Um, Yasmin Williams, who is a very young fingerstyle acoustic player who plays uh, um, in a very unusual style, uh, interesting compositions. Patty Larkin, an acoustic player who uh, probably in her 60s now, great player. And Ani DeFranco, um, who is also a, oh, uh, yeah. had a very unique approach to guitar, uh, primarily acoustic and um, uh, worth including in any list of great or influential uh, women guitarists. Yeah, she was on my longer list, but she didn't make my yeah. cut when I was trying to cut it down. But yeah, 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 yeah very Same good. Same here. Very good. Well, somewhere out there on the interweb, somebody's screaming that we didn't say Dolly Parton, we didn't say <laughs> Melissa Etheridge, we didn't say insert name here. That's where you can tell us all the things we did wrong in the comment section and the chat on the YouTube version. And if you're not there, you're listening while you're driving, Keep your eyes on the road, and when you get home, send an email to support at mariesmusic.com, and I will forward your complaint to Marshall and Spoon uh, all in good time. But I want to take this opportunity to thank all of you guys for listening. A most sincere thank you to our patrons for helping support the program, and maybe the biggest thanks of all for Marshall for taking the time to make sure you could join us on this very fun episode. It's always fun when we add a person, and you're just one of our best pals anyway, so thanks for being here on today's program. Oh, thanks for having me, Maury. Great to be with you guys. Yeah, great to see you again. I'll see you at Martin's and more. I'm sorry, Martin versus Martin. I'll see you at Martin's versus Martin. And, uh, it's confusing, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> keep up the good work. <laughs> thanks very much, Boone. 
from all of us at Martins and More and Martin versus Martin. Thanks for listening. Hear you later. <laughs> <laughs>